What about Yanis getting a triple double? Did you saw the video? I didn't know. Oh, uh, you need to see this so that because we had some. We need. Harsh we need discussion. an objective. Yeah. I mean, we, we need some not outside objective opinion. Yeah. yeah, someone who hasn't seen the video yet. Okay, show me. The That's video. a terrible stat padding example. And the stat padding is Look, quite a big topic. He he this, he's this one week. rebound shy of triple double. The game is over. Yes. And look, 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 look. It's coming. Uh, that's the rebound. And, he gets, and that's a and triple he double. The rebound in the he, did the, he did the Ricky Davis. Do exactly. You, do you remember? Yeah. Exactly. Look, he said, he said, I'm sorry. Oh, what's, what's the guy name? I said, Ricky Davis. And yeah. he said, that's the same. I'm saying, not, it's not the same. Like, it's he, completely He did it same. on his own basket. Who cares? I mean. Who cares? This rebound is horrible. It's awful. No, I, really. I know it's horrible, but. I don't it's know. As Giannis, horrible Giannis as this is a funny guy. Ricky Davis at least is maybe he, funny. Maybe he did it for you know exactly for fun reasons. I take it uh, as as humor because recently there has been a lot of noise about last week padding. about about Be Jokic because Kendrick the, Perkins was screaming yeah. some nonsense on on air and. Uh, people saying people like JJ Redick had to start Intervene. explaining simple things to to Kendrick. And they started arguing on Twitter and etc. And and the, all of a sudden, people are talking about Nikola Jokic stat padding. The most unselfish star in the league is stat padding. It was crazy to hear. Uh, again, maybe it has something to do that some American pundits can't get over the fact a European is dominating their league and is winning back-to-back -back MVPs. And Yanis is obviously hearing all of that, and maybe he just decided to tease all those people. That was my that was my initial thoughts. Because Yanis be has a great sense of humor. I I remember some of his funny press conferences. I remember when he used to go to press uh, conferences with the book uh, with dad jokes, and he was mm, just okay. dropping dad jokes yeah. every <laughs> single week. I mean, he's a funny guy, and I don't think that Yanis is is so. Um, selfish that a triple double means that much to him does he really need a triple double i mean it's not like he needs a triple double to prove a, a point or anything that's exactly so i don't know it, it, a, it looks a, kind of funny to me and a funny stat was that um you know kendrick perkins say Jokic uh, was stat padding and then you know his stats are not real oh, yeah. And then, uh, you know, the next tweet I see is that uh, when Jokic is, has a triple-double this season, Denver Nuggets haven't lost a game. Yeah, exactly. And they were like 29-0, oh, something like that. I don't remember the exact number, but it was double-digit wins think that and, they won zero, and zero games. losses. It could be so, true. I can't think of a player that gets a triple-double more naturally than Jokic. At one time he did it in the first half, I think, this season. Because obviously something he's like going to get rebounds, he's a big man. And he's playing a lot of minutes. Obviously, he's going to get points because uh, he has the ability to score from the inside, from the outside. And the assists just come naturally to him. He gets a lot of assists doing handoffs to Jamal Murray. He gets a lot of assists when he gets the ball on, on the top. And he's just finding the open man in the corner because uh, he is gathering a double or sometimes even, even triple team defense. So uh, to say that he's stat padding... I mean, it's possible to fake a rebound. How do you fake an assist? At the end of the day, your teammate still has to make the shot. Yeah. Ricky Davis still would think of some ideas how to fake assist. I'm yeah, Ricky Davis, for sure. <laughs> he's, he's the inventor of, of stat padding, a triple-double, or although stat padding as, as a thing has been f in, in the league for years. Oh, yeah. And if you remember 
Russell, Russell Westbrook, Westbrook getting his triple doubles. Do you remember how Steven it Adams... It was worth it. He became the MVP. Yeah. How Steven Adams <laughs> used to box out his man just to leave some space for Russell Westbrook to get the rebound. I mean, in his defense, it was it's a nice way to start the transition for us. Yeah. You know, the point guard getting the offensive rebound is an advantage. But uh, yeah, I mean, Luka Doncic is is also you know a, be a benefiter of, of of this of this tactic you know the, the, uh, everyone else boxes out and he just gets the rebound and starts the break immediately yeah and then he he can push he push can push the, the uh, push the pace in transition i agree I, I i'm not even saying that's a bad thing even if if there is some stat padding like when russell westbrook was playing his mvp season uh it's fine by me okc were ha more than happy to, to have an MVP on their team and, and obviously other players didn't have too many problems with that. I don't really care if they do that, <laughs> if, it's, if it benefits the team and the player. But in Jokic's case, there is no yeah. sign of stat batting. He's mm -hmm. just doing all the right plays. I would love to see Kendrick Perkins sitting at a table with uh, Mike Malone mm. and trying to prove to the head coach of the Denver Nuggets that, dude, your best player is just stat padding. That that's the conversation. We and want to Mike see. Malone could get some advanced stats and and many examples and say, no, he's actually carrying the team. <laughs> what are you talking about, Perk? It just would be enough to get him under behind the same table with JJ Redick. Actually, yeah. I mean, I love that guy. He's the real MVP of all those podcasters, uh, talking heads uh, on on ESPN, always being straight to the point. Uh, bringing his uh, playing experience also just having bright mind the way he sees games the way he sees processes and he already even before this awful Perkins take he already uh, uh, played some great defense uh, for Nikola Jokic I think for his MVP uh, candidacy this year so great I'm, mind to, to listen and to follow NBA basketball. JJ Redick is definitely a breath of fresh air in, in, in basketball media that's for sure but if stat padding is so easy, actually, maybe Perk uh, should have tried it himself. <laughs> Apparently, yeah, it's very, see, it's, it's very see, easy. I see a new rivalry uh, evolving, Gritis uh, versus Kendrick Perkins. I just don't get the man. <laughs> I mean, his takes are terrible, know, like Vembon his Vembanyama take, for example. What the fuck is he talking about? He, he, oh, about playing he, defense, he, right? No, he takes an example of uh, Andre Balvin dunking yeah, on yeah, Bambi. Yeah, yeah. And he... And he, he says, just, I want to see him against real grown Yeah, he retweets the highlight and he says, uh, let's wait and see what Giannis and Embiid does to him. And, and he finishes with God bless America, which also is funny because he's posting a highlight of a Czech Republic player dunking on a French player. And he's uh, saying that a Cameroonian player and a Greek player will destroy <laughs> him in the NBA. Uh, anyway, uh, Vembanyama is 18 years old. What did... Perkins know about Yanis when Yanis was 18. What Nothing. takes could have, what would be his takes about Yanis' rookie season? He was drafted from the second league of Greece. So I just don't understand. It's obvious we have a pure talent, a very unique type of player coming into the league. He should be celebrated. He shouldn't be doubted and all these people trying to put him down just because like, Oh my God, somebody dunked on him. He is a kid. <laughs> of course, Andre Balvin is a strong man. 
Yeah, so, I'm, not, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, we already had enough of Luka Doncic uh, hate before him entering the NBA. So Charles Barkley also made some uh, crazy remarks about him. But yeah, I don't remember particularly his quote, but he also downplayed his uh, potential and chances. So I'm just not surprised. There's always this European against ba- NBA basketball uh, culture uh, thing and amount of disrespect we're getting uh, overseas. Anyways, uh, we'll actually have a topic Uh, related uh, with a battle between international and USA basketball in today's podcast uh, as we'll be evaluating Carmelo Anthony's all-time Team USA and uh, all-time international team uh, fives. Uh, uh, Also on this pod, uh, you will hear our takes on Facundo Campasso, uh, debut uh, night in the EuroLeague, and Nemanja Bielica returned to the EuroLeague, uh, some of the topics uh, of the um, best uh, players on expiring contracts in the EuroLeague, and also we'll try to find the next team for Bogdan Bogdanovic. Uh, the previous uh, EuroLeague round was not entertaining at all. I mean, the average margin of round 26 games was almost 18 points, and that has to be a season uh, low, probably the least competitive uh, round we had in this very competitive uh, season. But let's start with uh, Facundo Campazzo return. 16 points on 4 of 15 shooting, 3 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 turnovers in 29 minutes. And the most important fact that Zvezda still lost um, to Bayern Munich away. Again, putting their chances to make the playoffs as slim as possible because now basically they have to win 7 of 8 remaining games, something like that. So they cannot lose any other games, although they already lost games against Bayern and Alba, the bottom teams of the EuroLeague. What what were your thoughts watching him play and was the weight worth it? Probably not the best uh, opponent to start your EuroLeague, uh, let's say, to make your EuroLeague debut for, for Zvezda. I mean, Bayern away and Bayern in form, uh, defending the way they did is uh, probably not the most comfortable opponent. Uh, I don't know. It was uh, mixed feelings about Campazzo and probably because of the way Zvezda performed. And, um, you know, he immediately, when he stepped on the court, he made a few good plays. But then uh, it was kind of a night for him where he was forced to shoot, to be a spot-up shooter with the way Bayern defended. You know, they were basically stunting very hard on the other when when other people were driving uh, to the to the rim and and basically saying Campazzo go shoot make an outside shot or going under his screens and switching which is not probably his not not uh, most uh, comfortable defensive uh, scheme for him so um it was interesting to see him i think he adds a lot for the offense uh that is 16th right now in the last six rounds of the EuroLeague. They are really bad on offense, uh, but uh, I don't know. Offensively, it was interesting to see because uh, in the fourth quarter, we got a glimpse of Nedovic, Campazzo, and Vildoza together. And, uh, you know, they were scoring, but they allowed 34 points, I think, to Bayern in the, in the last quarter. And when you have... When uh, an aggressive defense playing by Zvezda and you have on the weak side uh, these three players, like they're really small, they're not good uh, help side defenders near the rim and 
anyone can shoot easily over them, over each of, of these three guys. So uh, I'm not sure if Dusko Ivanovic is going to be playing three of them together, but then, you know, who are you leaving on the court? Because uh, are you leaving Kampatsu in the last minutes uh, on the bench? Are you leaving Nemanja Nedovic, who is their best driver, penetrator, and just, you know, creating for other guys? Because so it's it's... For me, it's a lot of mixed feelings about Kampatsu's uh, debut in the EuroLeague. What about you guys? I don't know. To me, the main thing is that they lost to two German teams in a row, and I think their playoff hopes are done. So Kampatsu or no Kampatsu, it doesn't really change much right now. Uh, They're in a pretty bad position. And, well... It's not like he played with his teammates for the first time. He was playing yeah. in the Abba League, in the Serbian Cup. So you could expect that he would look okay. But I do agree that um, Bayern Munich with with Trinkieri, uh, with their um, defensive system, is not a very comfortable opponent for a player like Faku. And Faku has never been a very consistent uh, shooter. People used to go under him even in Real Madrid days. It's he just had, that he had better companions. He was there. surrounded by so yeah. much talent and also so much size that you couldn't see his lack of size affecting the team negatively. Or even sometimes when he used to have a bad shooting day, uh, there were other players to compensate. And I definitely agree that Vladosa, Nedovic, and Kampazzo in the same lineup uh, doesn't look like a very good idea in the long run. Uh, you will suffer defensively and will your offense compensate on the your other defensive side. problems mm. I, I'm not I'm not so sure so I wouldn't play them all together even when 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 I'm closing games and it's a hard choice to answer who who you would leave on the bench I think it just depends on the night mm. I think if if you can you see sometimes that Nedovic is burnt out he's not making shots he's rushing maybe in these situations, you leave him. Sometimes Vildosa doesn't make the best basketball decisions. Sometimes he gets sloppy turnovers. Then you can leave him. Campazzo, knowing he's the best paid player in the club, I think he would always play the fourth quarter. Mm. So you're choosing between uh, Vildosa and uh, yes. Nedovic, depending on, on the night. Yes. And it was like Vildosa was jacking up some freeze uh, in the fourth quarter, you know, Bayern switches and it's just, you know, a drive, kick out, drive, kick out. And or Vildoza just simply not driving and just shooting a three, uh-huh. which was a bit, I don't know if he was feeling, you know, in the mood that's, you know, I feel like I can hit any shot today and that's why he was shooting. I know I know he is a great shooter and, you know, that's usually his shots, but sometimes when you are, you know, every time down the road defensively, you get scored on every possession, you kind of want an easier shot on the other side because if you jack up another three, it's another possibility to run in the transition for the other team. So, uh, and that's why they got scored like eight points. They were plus eight, I think, with five minutes. Plus nine. Plus, plus nine, nine. With yeah. five minutes remaining. And then it was this run which erased their lead in like one minute or one and a half, something like that. So, uh, not the best game for Zvezda. They're not in a good shape. And I don't know if they still have chances. Probably not to qualify for I the think, I think no. playoffs. And that's a shame because, you know, you waited for Campazzo for so long. You made so much noise. So much noise. That you, you paid, paid so, so much, much money. money. <laughs> and uh, after one game of Campazzo, you would 
probably your chances are this this thin. And I don't think that you can make excuses about uh, EuroLeague wasn't fair. We didn't have compass. So you lost games against Jalgiris, Jalgiris. against Partizan, against Alba. Bayern, you should, Virtus. Uh, you should have been Olymp in a much better uh, position at this point when Campazzo joins the team. And now you lose even with him on, on the squad. So I, I think there couldn't, there can't be any excuses. I think at this point of the season, other teams are just performing much better. Uh, Zvezda had a very good, I would say magnificent run in, in December, but it's just not enough. You need to be uh, consistent to, to make it through the regular season in this league. And at the moment, actually, when I'm seeing Bayern playing the way they do, uh, you can imagine if uh, Trinkieri had all these players healthy from the beginning, they could be a contender as well. Milan, they're winning mm. games, but that, it's just too late. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, this 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 Zvezda thing. Of course, uh, if they will, they already won the Serbian Cup. If they win the Adriatic League too, probably they're kind of still okay with that season. We're putting a very high standard for them of making the playoffs. Although there are a lot of teams in the playoff mix also, a lot of great teams like That's a good Milan, point. you know, under, uh, without also with slim chances of making the playoffs. So we cannot, you know, treat Zvezda's, uh, Zvezda not qualifying to the playoffs as a big failure. Uh, of course not, because before the season, you wouldn't even really have these expectations. Them. You wouldn't exactly. even have these expectations because you had a very young, uh, inexperienced coach. There was no Vildosa. It yeah, just seemed no like- no There was no Campazzo, no Vildosa. It just seemed like yeah. there's Nedovic and there are some other guys and they should be like 15th or 16th seed with that there roster. There was Jalen Adams. To start the season. Yes. Yeah. And probably Who remembers him right now. In any other season, probably Zvezda would be much closer uh, to the playoff uh, picture uh, than now with this uh, competition. But you know, you you said you know we are judging uh, Zvezda harshly. I mean, in the Euroleague, that's Euroleague is a harsh tournament. I mean, it's either you qualify for the playoffs or you your season is you know lost, done. You know, it doesn't matter if you get ninth or. Or, or, or it depends on how you perform in the domestic league. And if yeah. in these regions, like Balkan region, it's super important it's super to important. keep the advantage for the at least one year license. Not sure how it goes after this season, if the Adriatic League champions will automatically. Okay, it's not the case even now, but if they will get this advantage to stay in the EuroLeague after the winning Adriatic mm -hmm. League, if they uh, do. Uh, so uh, we'll see. Well, we'll if see. you take uh, lower budget teams like Jalgiris, as long as yeah. they are in the mix and they have hopes until the end of the regular season to sort of make it to the playoffs, people will always uh, measure it as a success. If Jalgiris finishes on 50% on, on uh, and they're 10th or 11th seed, people will always say that it's a success. Mm -hmm. And we used to have similar standards for Zvezda. But things change when you start mm -hmm. signing uh, elite guards from Argentina. People have different expectations from that point. And I'm not so sure if we can treat Zvezda right now the same way we do treat uh, Jalgiris or uh, Alba or Bayern Munich. Uh, it looks like they're, they have more ambitions right now. Yeah, but even objectively speaking. And it doesn't help, I'm sorry, it, yeah. it, it doesn't help uh, that Partizan is performing the way they do right now. Mm -hmm. And they have probably the best offense in the league at the moment. 
But even objectively speaking, does Compass and Bildoza automatically make them the top eight lock? If, if they, they had them before the season. They, nobody makes you a top eight lock yeah. in this league. No, but they should be competing still. And that's that's yeah. like two wins. They should have they should have two more wins than they do right now. Mm. They yeah. would be in the mix for the playoffs and that would be a great result for them at this point of the season. Exactly. You know, imagine right now they have 13 wins, not 11. And you have... Campazzo, who is, even though the first game in the EuroLeague wasn't as great as maybe, you know, every fan expected, but he is still going to help them hugely. Yeah. And, you know, he could have been the game changer. Right now, they need to win every game, seven games of eight, last eight, and that's that doesn't seem uh, real with uh, them having three wins in the last ten games. Because if, if you lose to Alba Berlin and Bayern Munich, what makes you think that yeah. Yeah. you're going to beat FS? They lost to uh, they lost five games to teams that are not in the playoffs right now. They lost to Olympia, Virtus, Jalgiris, Alba, and Bayern, and none of these teams are in the playoffs. Yeah, and now they're facing FS. They're facing Barca away on on 17th of March. They still have Olympiakos and Fenerbahce to play, of course, at home. But I don't see them winning all these games. I'm sorry, I, and I don't have any basis to believe that they can do it when i see them losing to alba berlin and and bayern munich and blowing leads actually not only losing blowing leads mm -hmm. let's be fair yeah another big return was in istanbul nemanja bielica returned to action after this crazy injury that first ruled him out of the eurobasket putting serbia's uh chances in the eurobasket speaking of title uh, contention and jeopardy uh also um, delaying his euroleague return for many many months uh namanya received the standing ovation he showed up on the court with two minutes uh, to play in the end of the second quarter yeah. Fener were like up by 26 which is crazy <laughs> And you're thinking about something before the halftime. He scored two points in 11 minutes on one of eight, eight, six field goal shooting, had two assists, one rebound, one steal. And uh, he, it felt like he was very desperate, you know, to finally uh, put the basket, uh, to put the ball in the, inside the basket and to please all those fans uh, who really greeted him warmly. What were your highlights of, of his return? First, just really happy for the guy that he finally came back. I still remember uh, me doing one of the first pods with you guys before the Eurobasket. It was, uh, I think, late August, middle of August, and uh, we were talking about his condition. And it seems to me like at least one year has passed and finally this guy, you know, comes back yeah. to the court. That's how long he has been out and uh, setback after setback. So just happy that he's, ba that he's back. Uh, obviously, you can see that he's far away from being in his top shape, the way he moves, even though he's never, you know, been uh, fast-footed, you know, forward. Uh, anyway, um, he was super excited after his first basket. He punched the, yeah. the basket af after. Or he was just angry on those four or three misses before because he had some nice looks. I think score. both. I think it was, you know, a mix, a mix of both. But um, to me, he unlocks some crazy offensive potential uh, for Fenner uh, if he gets back his form in one and a half months until the playoffs because let's be fair let's be fair you know in the regular season I'm not thinking he, Dimitri Sidoudis is going to play him much you know in the in the next games 
But in the playoffs, a potential when he's playing a center, he unlocks some interesting, interesting potential on the offensive side. Will he be ready? I'm not sure, but you know, some interesting potential, some like five minute runs in the playoff games, crucial moments. I I can see that happening. Yeah, Fenerbahce uh, are very precautious about his return. They're not forcing him to return at, at his top shape, which is obvious. They'll still still have some time before the playoffs. Uh, they will implement him into the lineups uh, step by step, not forcing to play him uh, heavy uh, minutes. Uh, and there's a big. Uh, sign of belief in Fenerbahce's camp uh, because I've heard that uh, okay, Nemanja Belis is 34 years old already. He spent a lot of time without uh, playing uh, basketball because of this uh, injury. Uh, but uh, I was told that he's in a better physical condition or at least he saw more weightlifting room than eight years uh, ago when he was the MVP of the EuroLeague. So he, at mm -hmm. least physically, he's in a better situation, uh, position than he was eight years ago. So that makes them believe that, okay, of course, it will need uh, uh, time to, to return, to adjust, uh, to get back into his usual routine. But physically, he's not old, mm -hmm. as you can think that, okay, he's 34 years old after the big injury and it might be hard. No, he's, yeah, he's on a good uh, path, you know, to come back. That's interesting. So he just, he just needs you know, playing, you know, whether that's yeah. EuroLeague, whether yeah. that's Turkish the Turkish League. league. Yeah. Uh, he just needs some playing time to be potentially, you know, in his one of the best shapes. I don't know how long, how much time yeah. it will take for him, but um, that's interesting. To me, it's just crazy to think that the last time I saw Nemanja Bielica play was, was in the NBA Finals. Mm. The last time I actually saw him in a basketball game was the Warrior Celtic series. And now... I'm watching uh, this game against Virtus, and obviously it was already a blowout. And I'm just thinking, when is he gonna step on the court? And finally, uh, when when you ask the question, what uh, were your highlights? To me, the highlight was just him getting on the court. Of that game is Bielis's return for sure. <laughs> and Fenerbahce had a crazy shooting night. Actually, it has to be said, record breaking. They were nice. making all sh all the shots and. Sometimes Scotty Wilbekin was even calling bank. I mean, it was just impossible to stop them on that night. 20 of 40. Let's give some love to Deshaun Pierre. I was man. about to do Everybody that. is talking about, about Dorsey, Bielica, Wilbekin, Goodrich extension. Deshaun Pierre is playing you, his heart out. You should go to Istanbul and ask him what did he change in the last two games. He made 10 threes in the last two games. In the first, how many? Maybe 18 games of the season, he hit 11. 11, yeah. Come on now. I mean, it's incredible. 10 of 12. Yeah. And he's making 52% uh, yeah. three-point yeah. shots. And you can see that in this uh, offensive system, uh, Pierre is having his best numbers in terms of three-point shooting. Kaleidis all of a sudden is a decent spot-up shooter. Mm -hmm. Hayes Davis, I know his numbers dropped right now, but at one point he was like he was a 47% three-point yeah. shooter. So they are really, these players are put in the best positions. They're very comfortable with the spacing and they just have the confidence to shoot the ball. And it doesn't even surprise me anymore when I see Dijon Pierre hitting five from seven. When well, most of the shots were obviously open looks. Maybe Scotty made some more difficult shots and Goodrich also. For Goodrich, it was actually a perfect shooting night. He didn't miss a shot in 18 minutes. Uh, Maybe on, he was just happy about this extension that he got. You know, of course he's. Who, who, who's not happy <laughs> when not he, happy. he's extending? You're home a, for a, three more a, a years. I mean, that's great. 
everybody so much ev guarantee everybody's happy when they extend a contract and if they're happy in the place they are of course uh, they were 12 from 21 after the first half they already had a big lead but i just thought that the numbers are going to go down and they didn't go down as much as i i thought <laughs> like when you finish 20 from 40 these are nba numbers these are the numbers you see in, in, in the nba regular season games actually just one last stat of from from Dyson Pierre and his catch and shoot threes this season. So he's shooting forty four percent on catch and shoot threes from the right corner, forty four percent, seventeen percent from the left. So if you seventeen seventeen okay four of twenty three only. So if you if you see him on the left corner, he's probably not going. But if you see him on the left wing, he's shooting fifty nine percent and fifty seven from the right from the right wing. So the only place where you don't want him to, where Dimitri Stoudis doesn't want to put him is the, probably the left corner. Because so he should everywhere get else, Russell Westbrook treatment on the left? Uh, probably, yeah. Mm. Draymond Green should stay in There's the, in no the middle Russell of the Westbrook treatment anymore. It's just <laughs> Ben Simmons treatment <laughs> oh, yeah. put on Russell Westbrook. <laughs> I Talk about I the originator. I still the... <laughs> remember all those plays when the Golden State Warriors were just ignoring Russ. On the three-point line, it's crazy. They finally won a game, LA Clippers. Yeah. We shared our short reactions after the tall, uh, Tyler Dorsey uh, signing, but let's make some more uh, in-depth analysis. What Tyler Dorsey brings to Fenerbahce? And actually, the question would be simple. Where do you rank Fenerbahce right now signing Tyler Dorsey before the signing deadline and also getting Nemanja Bielica month before the playoffs, which means that, of course, he will improve mm. uh, him, his game significantly. Where would you rank Fenerbahce uh, looking at the last part of the season among those uh, top EuroLeague powerhouses? I, I still rank them as one of the contenders. I did rank them as contenders before, but maybe right now I would rank them above Monaco, for example. I, I could see them with more potential. Uh, However, I just feel bad for Carson Edwards. He's playing his rookie season in the EuroLeague. He's having a lot of ups and downs. And now there's Tyler Dorsey stepping in. And he's probably going to take your minutes. So I kind of feel bad for for the guy because to me, he's a very exciting and a promising player. There are three players of a similar type in that, yeah. in that team. And probably, you know, because he's, mm -hmm. since he is the EuroLeague rookie, you know, you're not taking away minutes from Wilbekin and Dorsey is going to get his minutes. So you're taking minutes away from from uh, Edwards and Mahutoglu. That's yeah. very simple because Kalaitis and Wilbekin will definitely play their part. And uh, yeah, that. But of course, Tyler Dorsey makes them a better team. He's a a good defender. He's a good shooter. Itudis knows him from the Greek national team. Uh, actually, I think for Greece he had a crazy shooting game in the group stages where, where Itudis oh, yeah. retweeted uh, Basket News meme with ah. with uh, Itudis Steph taking Stan off, Steph Curry. off, off the mask and finding Steph Curry instead of Dorsey. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, he scored 27 against Croatia and 23 against Italy, I think, in the mm. first two games of the group stage. So he knows how to uh, utilize player like Tyler Dorsey. was also good that Dorsey knows how to play with Scotty Wilbekin from their Maccabi uh, years from what I also heard that uh, last summer 
Dorsey was desperate about getting the NBA deal. And there were also some personal reasons behind his move to the NBA, although he didn't have a guaranteed spot on any NBA team and they decided to go for a uh, two-way option. But this time, when Fenerbahce called him, he was super motivated to come back and to to help for such a big organization like Fenerbahce. And probably from Fener's side, not only head coach knowing this player very well, and Fenerbahce didn't uh, hide his love for for Dorsey. It seems like they had a really good time in the Greek national team. The good thing is that you know the markets for Dorsey would have been way more competitive in summer with some yearly powerhouses looking for a top-notch scorer like Tyler Dorsey. So I believe that they got uh, Dorsey in way less competition and also for a better uh, financial decision when it would have been in in, in summer. To me, again, it's crazy. We're talking about Fenerbahce again, how they improved the roster and how they are contenders for the title or at least for the final four. Not so long ago, it looked like they hit rock bottom. They were trashed in Konas. They had a lot of injuries. Players were losing confidence. Uh, They were outplayed terribly by Olympiacos at their own court. Scotty Wilbekin was ejected uh, with two technicals. They dropped the game against Partizan at home. It seemed like they you're raising questions not about the Final Four. You were raising questions, do they make it to the playoffs with the mm-hmm. way they are playing? And now all of a sudden players are getting back and they're signing a new player and, and you're thinking like, again, they might make it to the Final Four. They look a very exciting team once again. It just shows how everything changes quickly in, in this EuroLeague. And whenever a team goes on a winning streak or a losing streak, you shouldn't overreact at the time. You should try to think about the bigger picture and and think about the future and always remember that these genius coaches, they they know what they're doing. And and, and yeah, Fenerbahce is just a prime example. They started with nine wins or something like that. They were like 10 and one, I think, in the first And then they went down and then it seemed like they had a worst offensive rating in the league for a while, I believe. Yeah. Lorinas Birutis was actually dominating <laughs> them at like Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> and now, boom, again. Pielis is back. They're signing Dorsey. Everyone's happy. They, they're hitting 20 frees in a game. Never get I too mean, high, never get too low. It's a long league. season, you know. It's it's a nine, ten, ten, nine-month season, and you're going to get hit highs, you're going to hit lows, and you're just... If you are happy, you hit the peak form when when playoff starts, you know. And uh, could they be the could Fenerbahce story be you know the story of Real Madrid of last season where they were playing terribly and they still got to the final oh, yeah. later had a great shot uh, to win the or, early, actually exactly and or are they going to be you know Olympia story of last year where they played great but got hurt right before the playoffs. And they're, we're playing with a lot of injured guys uh, in the series against Efes. Uh, so it's just, it's a long season. You, you like, as Rita said, you should not overreact to these losing streaks. Uh, but obviously, you know, if you're, for example, we, talk, we talked about Cervenas Vesda. If this streak goes on too long, if you're playing bad for two months already, then probably, you know, this, this is your level at the moment. For Fener, it was, you know, injuries stuff uh four or five games one month one bad month doesn't really mean you are not anymore a contender and to me with dorsey signing they they are a final four team to me i'm putting them over monaco because that's probably i mean 
there is still there are still eight games left, but I think it's, it is going to be a that matchup in the quarterfinals. Oh yeah, it's a very realistic matchup for the quarterfinals. Fenerbahce now is a top four seed, and there's some significant gap. Okay, not a significant gap. They're just one or two wins away from the top three, but it would be hard for them to get into this top three. And Monaco, yeah, Fenerbahce, it's a potential uh, playoff uh, matchup that we're gonna have. Although, and I also put Fenerbahce right now in my ranking over Monaco, but it's also heavily related to recent Monaco game. For me, they're not convincing anymore. That's part of some injuries that they have, but they didn't manage to make some signings that would have upgraded them for the rest of the season. As I said, I'm, I wasn't the biggest fan of Chima Moneke. I was looking for a stretch four player who can make some three-pointers. Of course, the market was not very, uh, was not in favor, but still, uh, they're missing something to be a, uh, top four lock. They're missing three point shots. That's that's clear. <laughs> even in the games they win, they they finish with like twenty nine percent or or even below. Although Chima Moneke in the Maccabi game, I think he unlocked the game in a way for them with his crazy energy and fighting spirit. Because uh, Sasha Bradovich was keeping him on the bench for a long, long time, and all of a sudden in the third quarter he was thrown on the court, and he started all doing all these hustle plays. And and he actually stayed on the court until the end. John Brown was was just sitting on the bench. Moneke was playing his minutes. Uh, they got a crucial win, I would say, against Maccabi. I was very excited about this game because uh, I love both of these teams, the way they play with a lot of American players. And it's to me, it's just a very exciting style of, of, of play, a game of runs. You know, Monaco mm. starts with a very strong first quarter and Maccabi makes a comeback, uh, Wade Baldwin dominates the third quarter, but in the fourth, uh, Obradovic made the right decisions, I would say, and they finally made some shots. Okobo made some shots, uh, they got some crucial offensive rebounds. Alpha Diallo did a lot of good uh, good stuff on the court. 17 offensive rebounds by yeah, Monaco. that's a lot. And Donta Hall was just a beast in that game. Oof. In the fourth quarter, he was breaking boards, he was flexing his muscles. He was just unstoppable. And in the end, Kataj had to take uh, the second technical because he just couldn't watch Donta Hall dominating anymore. He wanted to go to the locker room earlier. Um, and it was a difficult situation for Monaco because if they if they had lost to Maccabi, Maccabi would overtake them in, in the head-to-head. -head and mm. uh, that could make the playoff race a bit tricky. But they, they really were great in the fourth quarter, even though... Mike James had problems with the refs and, and he was sitting out most of the fourth quarter, but uh, Jordan Lloyd actually stepped up when it mattered. Yeah, so Dorsey was the best signing uh, just before the signing deadline uh, has passed. And now teams are focusing on early free agency work or on extending some contracts like Fenerbahce just did with Marco Gudrich. So for today's pod, we have some top players on expiring contracts and we will try to find the best, also realistic fit for them uh, to switch teams, to upgrade some other teams, uh, to, to meet both of, of their demands. So I will run, I will run through uh, a short list of the some of the top uh, 
players on the expiring contracts. Of course, not all, uh, all of them will be mentioned. And I'm leaving out players like Kostas Lukas because there's like very high chance that he will stay in Olympiakos and probably we all agree that's the best fit for, for the EuroLeague, for Olympiakos, for Slukas. I'm also actually putting Facundo Campasso out of this discussion because I really believe that he will uh, sign with Real Madrid. Uh, so I will put some random names, uh, but I would like to start our discussion from Kevin Punter. Who should be a front runner? Who should put, you know, but to put all in for signing Kevin Punter for this summer. I think his old team, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Milan. Yeah. But if Partizan somehow stays in the EuroLeague, no, of course. I, I, I wouldn't rule out an extension. It seems like Punter is very happy playing for Obradovic. Punter and Matthias Lesord are the two happiest guys playing for for those fans and Jelko Obradovic. But also knowing the fact Punter uh, left EuroLeague for EuroCup to sign with Partizan, who knows? Maybe he sees himself there, even if they don't play in the Euroleague. Yeah. But, but if, if if a Euroleague team needs a scorer badly, and Milan needs scorers badly. To me, Milan seems like a team that should bring back one of their old. Players. There was this interesting situation because I think that Milan was the team that undervalued Kevin Punter had kind of let him go because. Of course, I'm, I have a short memory, but I think that Punter, let's say he felt a bit disrespected by Milan, not getting a contract extension that he thought that he deserved and he left the team for, you, for you, Partizan. But I hope that Milan, and I don't know who was making the decisions, but will understand their mistakes that they did before. And of course, roster-wise, scorer like him, Punter would be an amazing upgrade. You mean the amount they offered to him or they did not even I don't remember the if they actually made an offer. Extension. I don't want to speculate, okay. but it's it was either you know uh, amount or mm. not just making any offer. Okay. Yeah, Milano would make the most sense, you know. Uh, I'm not sure of the situation of Corey Higgins in Barcelona. He he still has a contract. He still has a contract, year, I think. Yeah. Okay. So Actually, if you know, when you look at Olympiacos, it would be an amazing fit. I'm just not sure if they have enough money to sign Lucas extend extension, to sign Walkup uh, to an extension, and then to add Kevin Punter, who's also who's of course over one million euro player per season. Mm. I mean, in general, if you're in a position to sign Kevin Punter, there are more advantages than mm. disadvantages, but. Uh, you know, you see teams like Maccabi, it looks like they have plenty of players who are capable of scoring and it seems like they want to keep most of the of the guys uh, for the next season. You see Monaco with these free guards and I'm not so sure if like Punter would be a sensible ad addition to the team. And Milan, they, they're going to rebuild the, the roster anyway uh, and who wouldn't but, want to have a good scorer on the team? Yeah, but just to some extent, because they have Pangos under the contract, Brand Davis, uh, Shaman Shields, of course, is becoming a, a free agent. I think Devon Hall also has a contract uh, for I the next year. I remember that, but... But Devon Hall ha has a really poor season in the EuroLeague, and also you have players like Mitru Long. You're still doubting whether they're EuroLeague caliber players and... Punter would be an upgrade if he if you sign Punter instead of Hall or or Mitru Long, you're just upgrading the team. It's it's For very sure. clear. He's a proven scorer. What about Yorgos Papayanis? He was on the rise the last year. He made the second uh, Euroleague team. He even had the NBA interest, but 
probably part of uh, that's part of the injuries he received uh, he got before the season before the Eurobasket that ruined his uh, start of the season and then it didn't feel that he could uh, catch his rhythm in a uh, toxic environment I would say that Spanatnaikos is this this year do you think he is a Euroleague you know top team material for the starting position backup Backup back for, I mean, he can start. Um, he can start, but, but he, not, he's he not will going not to be, be the closing one. games, yeah. and and he would play limited minutes. There are teams that want to have a really big center, but it's just clear that not everybody can be Tavares or Mustafa Fall. You need certain qualities, physical abilities, and, and also qualities around you to be successful. And I am not too convinced about Papayanis being a big money player in the Euroleague. And if I was in charge of any of these big clubs with Final Four aspirations, I wouldn't put a million euro contract mm. on the table for a guy like uh, like Papayana. So to me, it makes sense if he stays with Panathinaikos, honestly. Probably, probably. Although I, I read some reports that it's 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 not clear yet if Panathinaikos will go after him, unless it will be, you know, smart money uh, from the club's uh, perspective. But other than that, it's, actually, it's even hard to find him a good uh, fit in the yearly because, as we mentioned, powerhouses are not signing him for the uh, top uh, center position in the team. And then it depends on what you have. You might think that Fenerbahce might go after him because uh, this is bringing all the Greek players to Fenerbahce, but they have Motley and Bielica. If he's uh, if he's there, I, I'm not sure if... They if have a lot of size already with exactly. Booker, Booker Zikiri, But Booker is becoming a free agent. And Tukumbo signed until the end of the season. Like he's, Papayanis is a guy who, you know, you don't imagine playing for the Spanish teams. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm looking at the depth charts of all the teams, you know, maybe Zvezda, who have Kuzmic right now, you know, they are similar type of players, but, you know, Papayanis is obviously, you know, would be an upgrade. Uh, and, you know, they are known for having uh, tall guys every year. But maybe maybe that would make sense, but, you know, yeah, but I mean, Olympiacos, they have Fall, Barcelona, they have Vesely, Monaco, Dontahol, Donatos, Mutiunas, Efes, uh, they have Zizic, Plyce, probably, he's also under the contract. So it's not just about Papayanis, but also other teams being yeah, Looking at other loaded. teams being loaded with the with, with senders and, and, and different senders. What about Luca Bulldoza? An amazing start for him in Red Star. Then he couldn't... Uh, stay consistent playing at very high level at the MVP uh, level which is not <laughs> not that easy but where do you see him uh, for the next season mm. I could see him traveling to Madrid with his mates because mm-hmm. no uh, I know that Madrid brought back Chacho but he's a veteran Sergio you is also a veteran you do need uh, more energy from your guards and Williams Goss I'm not I'm not sure if he He's going to stay in Madrid. I don't know his contract situation. Mm. But knowing that Real Madrid always wants to have a very deep roster and it's not a problem for them to have Hezonia, Musa, Deck on the same team, I don't see a problem with them having two guards. And knowing that they, they both have chemistry, they're friends from Argentina, I could see that happening. Also, Spanish league, of course. Mm. Maybe a comeback to Basconia. 
Actually, I have Virtus Bologna. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Potential. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea because they desperately need some somebody. And you know who, what? Who knows what the situation going to look like with Milos and Marco Bellinelli? Even though mm-hmm. if we gave props to Dijon Pierre, we have to give props to Marco Bellinelli, who has been on fire well, in and the Q&A even, and even he more. said he's the most improved player exactly, in the league right exactly. now. <laughs> I'm not surprised at all. But not, <laughs> not a lot of people saw that, so uh, okay. That's he, he, he had a, he scored had like 32 in the Italian league or 30 yeah, points. Yeah, he had like eight or nine three-pointers yesterday yeah. in the Italian league as well, so Marco is back. Sh- shooting the most random threes uh, in in faces of other defenders. So, uh but yeah, coming back to those, I think Virtus Bologna would be an interesting all these questions usually just depend whether the team is in the Euroleague or not because Mm. when we're talking about Real Madrid it's clear right when we're talking about Virtus Vesda who knows what the future brings and the Euroleague is not the place where you can really plan or strategize long term unless you want to share many situations you know unless you yeah unless you're a shareholder but in a lot of other cases, that's just so different. And not not just with signing players, or are you going to stay in the Euro League, but with many other questions as well. Yeah. The next big uh, free agent to hit the market is Chris Jones. Although I hear that Valencia aggressively tried to sign an extension, but there's a lot of interest from other Euro League teams, powerhouses included. So there's no need to to rush things for Chris Jones, especially given the fact that Valencia has they don't have a guaranteed spot in the EuroLeague. So mm. uh, I believe that Chris Jones is probably, of course, if we don't count Campasso or Slukas, he's the next biggest point guard on the market. Mm. I love Chris Jones. I love what he's been doing in the past two years for Aswell, for Valencia right now. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's time for him to make a bigger step on a bigger scene, sign for one of the elite teams. And again, Milan would make sense to me, but they have Pangos. If he's healthy, if he's back, maybe they want to commit to Shabazz uh, for another season. Then, of course, it's a different story. And who needs a point guard from from the top? It's a tough question, right? Because I don't really see him going to Barcelona or Madrid. Olympiacos has Lucas and walk up there settled. FS has Misic and Alarkin. Fenerbahce has more than enough with, with Kaledis, Wilbekin, Guduric. You know, for me, Chris Jones, finally, you know, he deserves to play also for a team that's 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 a contender, that's for sure. Great player. But he also finally deserves a, a summer where he's, you know, he knows where he's come coming back. You know, he mm-hmm. has been playing for the, a different team uh, for the past three years. Yeah. And I think maybe, you know, staying with the same team would be good for him, good for the team. Uh, but again, does do Valencia play next season in the EuroLeague? Um, one other idea. Uh, Powell clearly needs a rebuild. Mm-hmm. And I think they need, you know, a starting point guard to, to build around with. Is he the guy, you know, who could go to Powell and, and be the... Be that guy. Yeah, but if I, I mean, of course you can rely on him. But if I'm an, an agent of Chris Jones, I don't know. I would feel bad sending w- him to Mount Michael. Yeah, first that's, of that's, all, that's I would need saying, to know I'm who's saying, the coach to yeah, have yeah. some talks. Who's the GM? Also, yeah, to start clear, talking. Have somebody. a clear picture where I'm going. Yeah. 
And if they have money, then then why not? Yeah, they could target a player like Chris Jones to rebuild the team and have a fresh start. And but that's what I'm saying. You know, first option for me is maybe Chris Jones remains in Valencia if they remain yeah. in the Euroleague. If not, you know, maybe Panathinaikos. But I hope you know maybe one of these contenders. But as we see, there they are also full in in those positions. I think Valencia is a great place to live and play basketball. And if they offer you a good contract, you could resign even without Euroleague. I mean, playing in ACB League and EuroCup, it's not like you're out of the picture and people don't see you anymore. Uh, but it, mm. it, of course, it depends on the offer. It's just that I can imagine myself being in Valencia and I would probably want to stay there <laughs> but i I, ima I imagine chris jones playing uh, uh he's a on, high level on, player on tuesday I, playing on I tuesdays inst sure. instead of uh, thursdays and fridays and, uh, and for sure like, i agree that he's a top last top year player. i was scoring 15 points against those players in the euroleague what am i what i'm doing here in the euro cup you uh, know kevin punter with, with, with but you know he went him. there knowing and hoping at 99 nah, that the course. next season i'm going to be I back see what you're saying. with valencia you can also expect because they always play one season in the Euroleague, one and season in the Euro Cup, then they win the Euro Cup, they go back. Then who knows back if we forth, back will forth. have Euro Cup then? I mean, there are all those rumors about BCL, Euro Cup and stuff. I mean, Chris Jones turns 30 in April and it probably all depends on his personal needs. Mm. If, I think does he need a great paycheck for, for let's say to sign a good lucrative three year deal, you know, to just secure his future or he also wants uh, to play for a title contender team. I think Boyan Dublevich should just take Chris Jones for a walk in the park and they should <laughs> just beautiful they should sit down and, and Boyan should just show him the sun and say, look, the sun isn't always brighter somewhere else. <laughs> I have been here for so many years. I had so many offers to leave. I could have even tried myself in the NBA. Valencia is the best place to live, my friend. Just sign a contract <laughs> and let's play basketball. Uh, what else do you have, Donatus? I actually had almost all top teams like Real Madrid, uh, Barca. No, I don't, I don't see that happening. Uh, I actually thought that he could have been a great fit for Fenerbahce before they signed uh, Dorsey. Somebody younger, somebody who can also play multiple uh, roles uh, and who can also add defense that I might miss a little bit in the current uh, Fenerbahce uh, backcourt. So I was thinking all about the top-notch uh, teams for Chris Jones because he's he's really worth it. After starting from Mongolia, as crazy as it sounds, at the age of 30, kind of like Lorenzo Brown, now he's getting, mm. you know, he's deserving that great treatment from the Euroleague teams. So Siobhan Shields, if not Milan, which I easily see, you know, desperately trying to extend him, who else would make sense for Siobhan Shields? I would say everybody. <laughs> he's the uh, guy you want on your team. But Real Madrid, I mean, they have Deck, Hezonia. Okay, okay, maybe not Real not Madrid. Not everybody. Maybe they have enough bodies, but... Most of the teams probably sh should go. I mean, we're obviously talking about top six teams. FS in the with, with Clyburn, probably not. I could see them playing together. I mean, I, we've saw plenty of Shields playing as a as a shooting guard for Messina and in these big lineups. I I wouldn't have a problem. I mean, 
if you're replacing Elijah Bryan with Siobhan Shields, for example, and you have okay, a, if, if you're you have capable a player, of doing it, if, of course. if you have a player who can play in, in, as a shooting guard, as a small forward, whatever you need from him, he can create, he can score. I don't have a problem with him on the same team with with Clyburn. The same way I don't have a problem with Mitsich playing with Larkin. So it's just about whether you have the ability to sign him or not, and is he healthy? That these are the only two questions, I believe. I but Milan him. should do everything to keep him, yeah. honestly. I think sure. loves him, so I believe he will stay. And since he got this injury, he barely played this year. You know, it might be harder for him to get something bigger than Milan can offer. I'm thinking, you know, do Barca and Olympiacos need, you know, the upgrades uh, in the in, in that position? Well, it wouldn't hurt Barcelona for sure. Do they have the money then? Uh, that's, that, that's the, the question, question because you know Barca are known in in the last uh, years to, to want to cut the yeah and know, they keep signing Jan Vesely, Sotransky and others. They're but it's always just cutting like the you, budget. You're replacing Davis and Kalaitis with Vesely and Sotransky. You're paying like one million to Kalaitis and then signing Sotransky and then you're officially say that you're cutting budgets. I mean, it's, it's I mean they're obviously cutting, but basketball is just such a small part of this club that yeah these basketball not expenses that are, are are laughable honestly uh compared to what was happening in football football players get that in one week get that money <laughs> that's some right them, some of some of <laughs> that's them, right what they get in the whole in the whole season mm. uh, any more names two more big men by the way i just mm, forgot this question what if Vasily Mitsich final leaves for the NBA and there's this huge gap in, in FS. Do you sign Chris Jones? Mm, do you see anybody else except from Chris Jones who could be capable of filling that role? I think all of these top point guards are possible targets for FS in that case if Mitsich leaves and sometimes it doesn't even have to be a free agent probably. If if the player yeah. is on on his last year on his contract, or maybe he has a a plus option that he's not gonna activate, FS could go for these type of players. So anything's possible, basically. FS has the money, yeah, and power and everything, and the titles. Mm. So if if it depends probably if they're they will keep. Uh, investing in, in basketball teams because they were already rumored before that the owner of the team will cut uh, the budget of yeah, the club. Yeah, I mean, we were hearing all these rumors, but then they replaced Kruno Simon with Will Clyburn, so... Yeah, just to go for this historical <laughs> you know. repeat, but let's say, you know, they, they collapsed this year and okay, it, it's not clear if they will keep investing in this team that much. Because to even if Misic leaves, they already have Larkin with... How many close to four million uh, contract? Then Bill Clyburn is also over two million, so they may they may uh, go for a cheaper point guard. They could just slide, uh, you know, Larkin to the one, Rodrigo Boat to the two, and uh, you know, sign a role player if they want to reduce the money they're spending. But what about Keenan Evans? Uh, I mean, his Achilles injury maybe is a way for Jalgiris to keep him, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and to have the only way to keep him. The way he was playing, it was it was clear that you're not gonna 
keep him in Jalgiris with with the level he was performing at, and right now he's recovering after an Achilles injury. So, would you take a risk if you were the GM? Let's say Mitis leaves, and uh, you have the money to sign him. Would you, you know, take the risks uh, with Keenan Evans, not knowing, you know, how he's going to recover, how he's going to come back? I would. Th- go does that for, does that bother you? I would go for a safer option. Like there are safer options. Chris Jones is is an obvious mm-hmm. one. So. If I'm choosing between Keenan Evans, who's still recovering from Achilles, or a healthy Chris Jones, then it's Chris Jones. But if mm. I if I had to choose between Evans and Chris Jones in in December, mm. when we saw both of them performing for their teams, I would say that Evans has a slight advantage. Mm. And that's interesting. You know, your point is interesting because FS are known for not uh, giving a lot of importance to what happens in the first part of the season. And so maybe they could say, you know, yeah, he's recovering, but we need him for the second part of the season, maybe. So, so then if, he if, has the if bigger... Ataman believes, for example, that Evans is just a better player than Jones, yeah. then you go for it. But I don't think there's that much difference between them. Mm-hmm. The, the gap is so small, even if you think that Evans is the better player, that it's probably safer to sign a player that that's already healthy and prepared. Mm. Lorenzo Brown has contract extension till 2026. Yeah, he's, Mokabi, right? he's done for good. He's done for yeah, good. Because, Mokabi. you know, if Mitzis leaves, then... <laughs> that would be a perfect replacement, be... but it's not possible right now. The last dark horse that I wanted to bring in uh, is actually Nikola Milutinov. We kind of forgot about him due to I wanted him in many teams reasons. last summer. <laughs> yeah, and he had great offers from from Fener, from from Olympiakos, but he had to stay uh, over there. Uh, but it's very likely that he will hit the free agency the upcoming summer, mm. which team must go after him. I said it last last summer. Uh, I'm going to just repeat myself. I think Virtus Bologna to me, uh, would make a lot of sense. I believe, you know, there were rumors about Mamjai Tech going to Monaco, having some talks. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. read that. And he's on an expiring contract, so. So maybe he's leaving and they need they need a center there. Um, I don't see many more teams who could, you know, afford him at the same time uh, and have him in their team, so. I mean, Real Madrid, they have Tavares. Barca, they have... Uh, Real Madrid have Tavares one. and Poirier. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, Fenerbahce, if they have Motley, who was really great, do you really sign Milutinov if you're going way I mean, over your is salary a, cap? It's a starting material to me, in my eyes. Mm. You know, yeah, he might be, again... He had a very disappointing Eurobasket, and after all the injuries, when he was still in the EuroLeague, didn't look like himself, honestly. Mm. My honest take about a player like Milutinov and all the others in this similar situation that if this year they decided to stay and play in a terrorist state, I would love to see them rot in the VTB League for the rest of their <laughs> careers. <laughs> you can have your Chavi Pascals, your Milutinovs, Davidovas and all the others and just play in that fucking league for the rest of their careers. I don't care, like, Fair enough. Fair enough. That closes the question. That closes the question about Motino's future. Uh, and we should go to the two last topics because I see we're already over one hour. And uh, just before before we're closing with Bogdan Bogdanovich and his future, Carmelo Anthony made his 
all USA Dream Team versus all international team uh, five as the new ambassador of FIBA World Cup, which I think is great. What they are doing with finding persons to promote uh, the tournament, it's amazing because they already had Pau Gasol and Luis Cola, and now uh, they will, they are bringing Carmelo Anthony. In the last World Cup, they had Kobe. Yeah, in the last Eurobasket, they had Dirk. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Uh, and actually, Carmelo's list got some interesting attention on on social media and let's go through his picks on all usa team list he has lebron james michael jordan kevin durant charles barkley and of course himself on team usa 5 and team international he selected tony parker managing obili uh, luka Doncic, yanis antetokounmpo and pau gazol any ideas on the biggest snubs how dirk is not there yeah, Yanis for the Greek team didn't do much yet, so I believe in the FIBA context, Dirk should be there. You, so you're replacing yeah. Yanis with Dirk, right? Yeah. And probably before we go deeper with it, people has to understand, you know, the criteria of yeah. our picks. Because I saw a lot of people questioning Gazal and saying, oh, Jokic deserves to be there over Pau Gazal. But I mean, Pau Gazal is probably one of the greatest FIBA national team players of all time. He won three Eurobaskets, one World Cup. Uh, he was on two uh, Spanish national teams uh, that won silver medals and were very competitive to one of the yeah. greatest Team USA uh, they had. And not even mentioning three more silver medals and two two bronze medals. I mean, he had a really great career playing for the Spanish national team. And it, it was obvious that Carmelo Anthony is not going to pick some 80s or 90s European players, yeah. so you couldn't expect him to pick like Arvidas Sabonis, or Dražen Petrovic, or Vlade Divac, yeah. or anybody like that. So I don't have a problem with his selections, although I, I would put Dirk Nowitzki in the lineup instead of Yanis. In the future, Yanis should be here on this list, but right now, and Pau Gasol, this is without a question, he's untouchable, in my opinion, with his legacy for, for Spain in this discussion, he is untouchable. Ginobili, Ginobili, uh, uh, Parker. I'm just can, not sure about Parker. Argue and, with and Doncic already has a gold medal and he brought Slovenia to the Olympics for the first time in the history. So he deserves to be here, I believe. And Team USA, well, Kobe should be here. Of course. Kobe should be <laughs> That's here. That's clear. I, I love the idea that Melo wants to have an undersized lineup with Barkley as a five, but Kobe has to be here. I mean, KD has done so has much for the here. Olympic team. He has to be here. Melo himself is known for his performances in the Olympics. He's Probably, the first I mean, man to win three gold medals in the Olympics. He's also the top scorer of all time on, on Team USA. So yeah. it's not like I also expected, you know, to put his ego aside and to pick Kobe in this five instead of himself. But at the same, at the same point, I see his egocentric and also some reasonable reasons uh, behind his decision. I mean, to me, it's easy. It's not about positions and it's not about centers. Just replace Barkley with Kobe and I'm yeah. good. Promise. And you're leaving Carmelo there? Yeah, because for Team USA, in every tournament, he was he showed one, up, yeah. one of their best scorers. That's true. Yeah. I don't know, I was thinking about Magic. Magic but Johnson? You already have Michael Jordan on that list, so... 
it's kind of enough for those old but timers. But Magic Johnson, I mean, he went to the Barcelona Olympics yeah, already uh, after ta talking uh, about the accomplishments, you know, for the national team. Then I know I can't say anything about you know I can't have an I can't win an yeah. argument of Magic Johnson over Carmelo Anthony. That's for sure. But that's the thing. We we shouldn't yeah. focus on on their NBA careers. It's not like we're choosing top five best NBA players of all time, it's it's in the FIBA context. Mm. So in mm. the FIBA context, you can say, okay, maybe LeBron, I'm not sure, did he do so much? You could mm -hmm. Probably probably Dwayne Wade even did more. That's a good point. The way he played in the Beijing final. And Melo and KD, they cemented their names in the Team USA history mm. with their Olympic performances. Michael Jordan, he won the Olympics before becoming an NBA player. He was a student athlete. And then he, he went with the dream team to the 92 Barcelona Olympics. So there's no question about Michael. Kobe Bryant is the face of the redeem team. Yeah. You have to have him. You have to have him. And Charles Barkley, I'm sorry. It's just probably the player Carmelo loves. Probably. And he had to name another guy. Yeah. He had four. So who wins? Oh yeah, the question is who wins? Um, that's a good question. In FIBA rules, but again, we nah. probably we have we're having we're having prime Michael good. Jordan. It's not like we're having a fifty-year-old Michael. It's nineteen ninety-two uh, Michael Jordan. You have uh, Braun, uh, Miami Braun, <laughs> Miami Braun. Prime MJ, peak, peak MJ, Prime Mellow, Prime Durant, Durant Prime and, Prime Kobe. And, Prime and Prime Kobe. Kobe. That's tough. Ah, Team yeah. USA still has Team to win. Even if you have Doncic and the Kuban Gasol. Although Gasol, is, it, Gasol playing in the inside will 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 do nightmares to, to, to the Americans in this case with their undersized lineup. That would be a hell of a game. And Dirk and playing next to these creators... Ginobili, Doncic, and Parker. Although I think that with this lineup, Parker wouldn't feel very happy. Mm. He wouldn't have the ball as much as he wants to. He wouldn't <laughs> have the impact he wants to have. He would be a spot and up if, shooter. If you remember, with, with, if you remember Doncic. younger Tony Parker, he was kind of a selfish player. That's not a very good fit to me <laughs> because Doncic would dominate the ball and also Ginobili is a creator. So, uh. so you know, Parker <laughs> not comfortable in this lineup is probably the only argument because why Team USA is winning and not because the, <laughs> the other team has... Yeah, the European <laughs> team might have some chemistry issues. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> not because, you know, the other team has LeBron, Kobe, yeah, no, 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 that's... that's the best scorers of all time, best player. Let's not focus on the opposition. Let's no, let's no, focus on, on what we have. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and the last question to cover is Bogdan Bogdanovich and his future. According to Hoops Hype, Michael Scotto, uh, Bogdanovich is expected to become a free agent this summer. To do so, he'll need to decline a, his 18 million player option. Uh, before the deadline, Bogdanovich was rumored to have half of the league's team interested in him, and uh, I think it might be also related to the new TV deal that will skyrocket the salary cap, but also to the fact that Bogdanovich, who's also 29, 30 years old already, after six uh, years of playing experience for previous Sacramento and today's Atlanta Hawks, he probably wants to play for a winning team. So, guys, we have to decide the best team for Bogdan Bogdanovich uh, in the NBA for his future. It's hard to decide on the best because I could see him as a solid scoring role player on mm. every team. I looked at the, at some of the you know 
teams, and I think maybe Philadelphia, um, as they would kind of need some scoring off the bench, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, you know, Lakers is always a team who needs shooting with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Um, Chicago, if you know they're trying to rebuild this summer and sign some pieces to you know get over them middle line because right now they're in the middle of you know not nowhere probably not knowing which direction to go in uh these three teams you know came to my mind just looking at at the potential destinations for for Bogdanovic I didn't analyze the cap situation because for some teams it it will be impossible to sign him just, yeah. just yeah. financially but basketball wise it would make sense uh, for example in Milwaukee because mm. you always need shooters around Giannis and you need good spacing and players who can also play with the ball a little bit they have Brooke Lopez and uh, Jake Crowder on expiring contracts okay. so just a thought because yeah. like right now they signed Joe Ingles and he's he's an agent he's veteran. also an expiring contract and uh, I think only Pat Connaughton from you know those mm-hmm. type of players so maybe so that makes maybe, sense maybe that's Milwaukee. a possibility and if you're looking at the Western Conference then New Orleans Pelicans uh, do you see them as a contender I mean the West after the KD, West is loaded by I think KD trade is so different right now yeah but I think I think uh next season you know they just need to be healthy and i think be staying healthy the whole season would put them yeah first five spots maybe in the you west you mean the pelicans yeah and and you said plural they i think it's singular him he needs <laughs> to stay healthy that's true yeah yep. but but bogdanovic is a is an easy fit for any team i would say has the skill set that is very easy for a head coach to uh re- implement in the roster yeah implement in the roster in in current nba because he can shoot he can move off the ball he can play with the ball it's like if you are an nba gm and you're like okay we have we lack scoring off the bench mm. what's our target that's that that guy you know bogdanovich should be one of the first in your list you know or you need shooting stationary not stationary coming and, off of base. And you know, Atlanta is doing something. They they hired Quinn Snyder. Um, yeah. Maybe he'll has a, he'll have a better relationship with with Trey Young, and maybe Quinn Snyder is known as a spacing genius. So maybe he even get... maybe even staying in Atlanta is is not the worst option. We are keeping a lot of guys in there uh, in teams, teams today. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. although I wish to see him in a winning team. I mean, I miss Bogdanovich playing for the national team. He's that true warrior. I mean, uh, ah, Bogi for Serbia always amazing. Yeah, he deserves to play somewhere which has a real shot at winning NBA title mm-hmm. because he really deserves it. He played six years for Sacramento and for for Atlanta. Okay, he had the injury problems and he's on his probably worst uh, year, uh, worst season in the last four years, averaging fourteen poor. 0.4 points, uh, 3.2 rebounds, and 2.9 assists. But he is great. So I, I would I would really like to see him in Milwaukee, for example. Because even coming off the bench, it also depends on 
Bogdanovic needs. And if he wants to win the title, it doesn't mean that he doesn't want to get some great paycheck. And probably he will ha have to find this balance between his uh, uh, role in the team, the paycheck he gets, and the chances mm. of winning the title. My but money is on him extending with, with the Atlanta Hawks. With Quinn Snyder, you know, it, you it, would expect yeah. the Atlanta to make a... Their last run for, for Bogdanovich. I mean, I Quinn Snyder was a very good coach for Boyan Bogdanovich. Maybe for Bogdan, it's also a good <laughs> idea to stay and play for him. Yeah, he has this European background. Some some great Europeans really uh, were good on, on his team. So that might be a, a, one of the factors that can keep him in as Atlanta. Yeah. But I'm not sure. I, I'm skeptical about Chicago or Atlanta from Boggy's perspective. I mean, mm. we'll see. A lot of interesting future decisions, but that's for the uh, following or bonus episodes, probably. We have a double game week, so we will have a lot of content. Content Coming is there up anything next time. to watch, or you recommend to watch? Two teams interest me the most for this week: Barcelona. Barcelona. Yeah, but Barcelona because they have the game against Olympiacos, and they have and they have uh, Fenerbahce this week. And so what's also important games. that they don't have a head-to-head -head advantage over Real Madrid, and if they lose this game or they want, they, they cannot win more than ten points as they uh, lost their home uh, game the first of the season mm -hmm. by ten points to Olympiacos. That's that means huge locking the top top seeds in the regular mm -hmm. season. And another team I'm watching is Partizan this week because they have a double week in Italy. That has been brutal for Cervena Zvezda. And uh, you know they're still not guaranteed of the playoffs. They need, I think, I think they need to win both games this week because the games after this trip to Italy are going to be brutal. They have four games against FS Olympiacos, uh, Real Madrid, and Barcelona. I think coming up after that, so this is a crucial road trip for Partizan this week. It's a crucial time for Maccabi as well, I think. They're hosting Fenerbahce, and then they're playing away against Efes. They're direct head-to-head -head rivals for the playoff position. If they lose both, they already uh, 13 and 13, mm, below the top eight. And Efes, they also 8-13 wins. So it's it's crucial week for many teams, although we're just eight rounds away for the most of the teams, uh, because uh, obviously Turkish teams, they have nine uh, games to play due to postponed games. It, it, after this week, we might have a lot of answers about the mm -hmm. playoff race. So And a crucial game for Ritis on Friday at 9.30, it's Basconia versus Monaco playing. That's going to be the game you're probably going Basconia to be is watching. At home. Yeah, Basconia is at home. So that's going to be another over 100-point game. I can guarantee it's going to be a good basketball game. <laughs> I don't know who's going to win, but I will enjoy it for sure. 115-113, <laughs> hopefully. Uh, okay, guys, thanks uh, for watching us. Please don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube, uh, Spotify, and other, all the other platforms you watch. Uh, pressing the like button also helps us a lot and don't forget that we have this great basket news uh, plus community and you can join uh, our uh, group on basketnews.com slash plus we have some great offers for you so just jump in and uh, follow the lead see you and goodbye